Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, Wim Lou, and today, even that it's Wednesdays, we're going to just rebrand it. All right? it it's, it's Pound the Rock Wednesdays. I'm joined by my beloved longtime crew, um, Jessica Sharo and Joe Wolfon, both from The Score. Cash, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having us. Happy yep. to be here, as always. Big win last night. Big win for the Score FC last night Huge. with Will with Will between the pipes. Will putting up a clean sheet, a shutout in net. You know what? I just yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's what I do. That's what I do. Even though I'm yeah, we don't we don't have a full time goalkeeper. But if I keep doing this, uh, we might have to adjust. And then Joe Wolf on with a fresh cut. How you doing? Great, man. Privileged to be here as always. <laughs> wow. Uh, did you appreciate the slander from last week or last time you were on about what, the cuts? What was the slant? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh. Okay, never mind. Actually, we're just gonna we're gonna skip past it. Then that's good that we don't know. Okay, look, listen. Um, we're gonna talk. Honestly, usually when I have you guys on, because you guys cover the entire league. Um, you know, we usually try to go around the league, but I think for this episode in particular, I really want to get your thoughts on the Raptors too, because like, you know, obviously you guys are very close Raptors observers. I see you guys in the arena, and I know in your heart of hearts, you guys are Raptor fans. You know, I I know you guys are unbiased and everything like that, but. Uh, the things I have seen at uh, at 500 King West, um, especially when the Raptors missed those tippins uh, in Game One. <laughs> well, fun, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, listen, uh, let's let's just dive into some of these things because for me right now, as I'm looking at the team, especially coming off this rough stretch here, where you know they they lose in that fashion to to Brooklyn and then New Orleans, and then you know they they come back against Orlando, but you know, Orlando's so bad, uh, and then they play the Celtics. The Celtics clearly had another gear. The Raptors couldn't match. Uh, and that game was close, but, you know, ultimately they lost. And the way I'm thinking about it now, especially because they're at, what, 500 now, it's just like, were expectations just a little bit too high, you know? And, and and you know, Cash, I'll start with you. Am I just try- Am I just being a little bit too pessimistic on that front? Or did we perhaps overestimate what the Raptors could be capable of this year? No, I'd say you're being a little pessimistic early in the season. I think... Personally, my expectations were that they could contend for a top four seed, okay. maybe host, uh, have home court advantage in the first round, and contend to get to the second round. Yeah, I, I came into the year thinking Milwaukee and Boston were the class of the East. I still think that with Boston, at, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else. But I think those were justifiable expectations coming into the season, and I still think they're fine. I mean, they're, what, three games out of third? I think not to make excuses for the way the Raptors have played. I mean, they need to be better, and I think everyone knows that. But... I'd say that if you look around the league right now, and this is something I wrote about, did videos about for the score coming into the year, the league, whether you looked at betting odds coming into the year or whether you looked at projection systems, the league has literally never been this balanced. And it's never been this jumbled near the top either. And so I think you're seeing it around the league. That in and of itself makes uh, the night-to-night consistency across the league almost non-existent this year other than maybe a Boston or like that's pretty much it actually they're the only team that's really been that consistent I mean the Warriors are what two and ten on the road the Warriors look like they're figuring it out and then they lose to uh the Halliburtonless Pacers at home the the Heat look awful the Sixers are at 500 the the Mavs look awful and then sweep a back-to-back in Phoenix and Denver like between the balance at the top of the league and also the injuries that have just kind of run roughshod over the league to start the year I think this kind of first quarter season, more than any other season we've ever seen, it's just really hard 
to take too much away, good or bad, from teams. And again, that's not the Raptors have to be better. We know that. Mm-hmm. I would just caution people this season, especially, to read too much into what teams are doing, good or bad, in this first quarter season. Because I just think the league's very topsy turvy right now. What were the expectations coming into the year? I'm not entirely clear on what they. I, obviously, it depends who you ask, right? But like, I mean, Cash, we did an episode before the season started where I laid out the reasons why I thought that the Raptors would underperform. And even on that episode, I feel like we struggled to actually come up with a proper definition of what the expectations for the team were. But my feeling coming in was they were going to have pretty much the same limitations that they had last year. I think that's really borne out. Mm -hmm. And so if the expectations were that they were going to overcome those limitations and, you know, get themselves into that upper echelon where they were legitimately contending, then, yeah, I think that was unrealistic. I'm with Cash in that, um, you know, it's been mixed for them just like it's been for most teams around the league. And, like, I'm looking at it. Okay, they're 12 and 12. They're 13th in offense, which is a borderline miracle for reasons that we can get into. Um, Seventh in defense, tied for 11th in net rating against a pretty tough schedule with all the injuries that they've already dealt with and some of the underperformance from certain guys that I think we can expect to rebound at least a little bit. Mm, Yeah. I think you look at all that and you say – the sky is definitely not falling right now. And by the same token, like you look at some of the other indicators and, um, you know, one of the things that, that I like to track, and it was an issue last season, and it's you, you can totally look at it two ways, right? You can say it's really concerning that the Raptors have to Uh, kind of achieve these very miraculous feats of engineering in order to overcome these limitations. Or you can say the fact that they've actually managed to be, uh, you know, a team that outscores its opposition despite those limitations mean that, you know, if they can find a way to address them even a little bit, then the ceiling for this team could be quite high. But like right now they're 29th in the league in true shooting percentage, Mm. 54.7%, which is great. Like I remember when that was league average, not even that long ago. Yeah, so they're they're 29th in true shooting, and they're 28th in true shooting percentage allowed. That is at 59.4%. So that differential is like the biggest negative differential in terms of shooting efficiency of any team other than the Spurs in the league right now, who by pretty much any objective measure are the worst team in basketball. So um, that's... That's worrying, especially for a team like as defensively talented as we know the Raptors to be, mm-hmm. to be 28th in true shooting percentage allowed. Their defensive shot profile is a complete mess, and it's not like they're getting unlucky with opponent shooting, right? Like opponents have actually shot pretty much exactly league average on the types of shots the Raptors have conceded so far. Mm-hmm. They're just conceding the wrong kind of shots. A ton of corner threes, as we know, a lot of shots at the rim, and, you know, that's concerning. Like there are all these red flags and then you look at like the ways that they've managed to kind of, kind of overcome those things. And it's by the same token, very, very impressive. Like the biggest way they've managed to do that is just by winning the possession battle to an absurd degree, to an even greater degree than they did last year, which was already absurd. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can, you can always look at it one of two ways. You can say, look, their ability to do this, to repeat this is a really good sign. All they need to do is like, you know, address these limitations in some form or fashion and they could really take off. But obviously addressing those things is a lot easier said than done. And given the roster makeup right now, I think that's going to be kind of hard to do. Well, I mean, that's a really interesting point, right? Because 
to me, that kind of speaks to an overall um, organizational philosophy in terms of how they build the team and also even a coaching philosophy for how they want to approach that team. So when you think about it, does does that does that make sense? Does it feel like it's it's the best that you're going to get out of this roster or, or the most optimal way you're going to play with this roster to, you know, be that team that obviously gets you 10 extra shots a game, but the penalty of that is that you don't shoot well and your opponents shoot really well. I mean, given the roster makeup right now, I feel like it's kind of hard to argue. Like okay, I, okay. I, I have felt at various points that they could stand to scale back the aggressiveness on defense a sure. little bit. You're even hearing Nick get question about it pre-games because it was like uh, before the, the, the Celtics game. You know, the reporters are asking Nick, like, hey, you know, what makes the Celtics so good at defense, Nick? And there he's like, well, you know, they switch a lot. They do play a lot of good one-on-one coverage. And he's like, do you think you can do that? <laughs> like, it was literally like that. Yeah, well, but it's funny so. to look at the Celtics as a counterpoint, right? Because sure, they yeah, force yeah. no turnovers. They're dead last in the league in yeah, yeah, yeah. turnover rate, right? So No, they just play you straight up. They switch everything, but they, well, mostly everything, but they just play you straight up. They keep the ball in front. Yeah. Right? Like, they don't. It's like the Clippers model, too. And, um, you know who's a good candidate um, who you'd wish you had on your team? To be able to play straight up on defense, OG Ananobi. Yeah, and but the Raptors have a guy in, that in that game against the Celtics. Straight up in that in that game against the Celtics, they let him do it way more than they've done yes, at yeah. various points of the season, right? Like they did not show nearly as much help, specifically for OG's assignments. I feel like than you know as they usually do. Yeah, Tatum and Brown, I think both had twenty plus shots, which is not usually what you would see. And I honestly think that defense as a whole, like. It was some crazy Celtic shot making. There were definitely some breakdowns, especially in that third quarter. But on yeah. the whole, I thought that was a pretty damn good defensive game that the Raptors played I agree. against I agree. the best offense in basketball maybe ever. <laughs> like, um, I think there are ways that they could stand to scale it back. Um, but I don't know. Like, in terms of a broader basketball philosophy, I don't know if, if Nick can stomach that. And then you get into the the like rim protection by committee that they have to do because they're lacking that one overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know, seven foot rim protector. Christian Coloco is not that guy yet. So that, that is what opens them up to those kind of kickouts and corner threes, like the amount of help they have to send to the middle of the floor. And it's not working right now. Like they, their opponents are shooting 70% at the rim and that's basically yeah, what they yeah. did last year too. So it's something eventually I feel like they're going to have to address. The Dallas game was a perfect example of this kind of, you know, push and pull where early in that game, I know I had tweeted about it too, where like OG was doing a fine job on Luka Doncic and Mm -hmm. yet they were still sending so many extra bodies at him and it was resulting in a lot of open maps threes, mostly from the corners and that's how Dallas got out to that, whatever it was, like 15 point lead, like four minutes into the game, whatever it was. But lo and behold, by the end of the game, you know, it had worked. The Raptors end up winning. Like, the Raptors bet on the fact that those guys were not going to beat them if they didn't allow Luka Doncic to beat them, and it worked. But as much as I agree with it here and there, it's like how often can you really bank on that, right? And again, I think when you've got the luxury of an OG and an OB, you have to let him loose defensively in those matchups. And it doesn't mean there's not going to be help at all, but I just think they can be a lot more selective and disciplined with that help so that okay, fine, a Nick Nurse defense is going to give up a lot of corner threes because of that, you know, aggression and, and overhelping on defense, but I don't think it has to be to this degree, you know? Mm. I think there's a middle ground yeah. somewhere that well, they have to find. And it's also about mixing it up. And, like, that can be a tough scheme to play against just with, like, constantly seeing all the extra bodies, constantly facing ball pressure, the way that the Raptors can rotate in close space. 
Like, it can be a lot to deal with, but that can also be easy to scheme around if you know that it's coming. And if you do deploy it a little bit more selectively, then I feel like it's actually going to be that much more effective when you do deploy it because they're not going to see it coming. It's going to, like, throw an offense out of sorts rather than an offense that comes into a game 100% prepared to face exactly yeah. that coverage. Well, I mean, I think that was one of the signatures of, of Nick's, you know, especially when you think of that year where he won Coach of the Year, right, when the Raptors trying to defend the title. So much of it was about that creativity on defense, just like he showed during, obviously, that championship season as well. But, like, that next season, it was so much like, wow, I can't believe they held Dame to single digits. And then Kawhi had, like, nine turnovers. And then, you know, they— Hunting Harden at half court. Hunting Harden at half court and LeBron. And they, they had all these, like, innovative, like, Joel Embiid scored zero points. Although that was, you know, that was a bit strange, actually. Um, but that was his signature. It was, like, that creativity that, like, that caught teams by, you know, surprise— and now you cl- consistently see stars being like, oh, I know what's going to happen when I go to Toronto. And and, and to, to, to Nick's credit, um, he did scale it back against the Celtics because as he explained postgame, he's like, yeah, they have a lot of shooters who in the corners are like 65% true shooting. So I'm not going to like leave the corner shooters. Also, open the Celtics much. shooting to start this season, like don't get me wrong. I know they're good. They are the best team in basketball right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But some of this is not going to hold up over the course of the year. Like their jump shooting numbers across the board, top to bottom in that roster are insane right now. That is just not sustainable. They yeah. got nine guys in their rotation above 60%. Yeah, it's insane. The Raptors and have zero. I think the Celtics are a good, um, not comparable in terms of roster construction or anything, mm-hmm. but I do think, you know, kind of what I was ranting about when we started the show about how it's early and it's maybe a little too early for pessimism. I think people forget a lot of times how long a season is and right, that right. 11 months ago, the Celtics were... Uh, 500 seemingly dysfunctional team that might maybe they had to make a move and break up Tatum and Brown whatever it was and then a few months later they were in the finals and now we're talking about them as a juggernaut and that entire you know turnaround happened in less than a year with very minimal roster uh changes made so not that I'm saying the rap that that's the Raptors future over Mm -hmm. the next calendar year but it is a reminder to people that it's still early. It's December. And yeah. I don't think we really have a gauge on what this team or a lot of the teams around the league are yet. Yeah. No, that's fair. I think that's a good perspective. Well, listen, I, I think to the topic of um, expectations, right? The reason I wanted to ask this, because for me, it was like my reasoning for why the Raptors were going to be taking the next step from 48 wins last season to maybe 50, maybe a little bit above 50, not, not high 50s, but low 50s, was that number one, yeah, it was a young roster. You expected some natural growth with that 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 the squad that you know certain guys in the team would take a step forward, right? You would expect it better health, which I don't think has really happened yet. But you know, I at least at that time I was thinking, well, some of these things were not repeatable issues. So hopefully, better health. I think I specifically was thinking about Fred, and to be honest, Fred's health has not ever really looked the same. Um, so I was definitely wrong on that. And, and then I just thought about the fact that they had a lot of games where it felt like it was inexperienced, a lot of like under 500 teams they just weren't taken care of i think they're actually done better on that front of this season but those are my three reasons for like why they would just win like a couple more games and um you know right now obviously they're, they're not at that pace but they could eventually get there i think the biggest thing to me is though, it's like the players taking a step forward this season have you seen that from certain guys on this roster or not because you know there, there was a pretty young team and they had gone off to a pretty good start naturally you expect that young team to continue improving but I don't know. When I'm looking at the young guys on the roster, I'm not seeing that many tangible differences well, from last year. Pascal and OG obviously have had uh, 
great starts to the year. I don't think you can ask for much more from them. Sure, yeah, yeah. But then I guess if the true blue young guys, if you want to call them that, like Scotty has had an uneven start, which isn't you know dissimilar to a lot of the other sophomores in the league, and then Precious didn't get off to the start anyone envisioned for him and then got hurt. So I think... Those, I think Scotty and Precious are what probably a lot of fans would say have been some of the early season disappointments. But at the same time, it's been offset by how good Pascal and OG have been. I mean, Wolfon, you can jump in here too, but I, I'd say for me, the biggest, I don't know if it's disappointment or just letdown, but it's, a lot of it's just shooting is Gary and, and Fred. And yeah. Fred most of all, whether it's a back issue that he dealt with early season, then he was sick, or maybe it's just... You know, you're going to wait for a regression to the mean. And over the course of the season, Fred will start shooting it again. Like, I think he will. Same with Gary. But, you know, I don't think anyone would consider those guys necessarily young up-and-comers. Well, Gary more so, yeah, is still a young player that has room to grow. But with Fred, it's not that anyone was expecting, like, a breakout. He's already had that. He mm -hmm. was an all-star. But I think they expected him to be more healthy and just to shoot the way everyone knows he can. Because when you really look at this team so far this season, and I don't want to make it so simplistic, but a lot of the issues would be resolved, especially on offense, especially the way Pascal's creating for himself and others in the half court. A lot of the issues would be resolved if Fred and to a lesser extent Gary were just shooting and playing the way they're capable of. Fred's like a career 38% three-point shooter that's down at 34. Gary's a career almost 39% three-point shooter that's down at 33. And yeah. those are guys who collectively combined for like 15 three-point attempts per game. Yeah. If they're I, just I near their OG averages... Numbers. Yeah, even OG's shooting below his right. averages. And yeah. that's what I'm saying. And then given the leap in half-court creation Pascal has made, I actually think a lot of the offensive issues would be somewhat solved if Fred and Gary were just shooting the way they could. And maybe you just have to hope for a regression to the mean in that sense. I agree to an extent, and I do think Fred will bounce back. And I think, you know, people are really hard on Fred when he struggles. And it, it's visible because of how much they rely on him. Yeah, and it's yeah. a and it's a shame because even when he's struggling to shoot the ball, I, I still think that he contributes in a lot of different ways. But this team construction, like they need him to hit his shots, mm -hmm. yeah, you yeah. know, and and so it really does stick out like a sore thumb when he's not hitting them. But even apart from that, like I, I just think ultimately you don't want to be as reliant on Fred's shot creation as the Raptors currently are, and I think about like. You look at some of their numbers, and this is, again, carryover from last year, where they are one sure. of, like, the highest frequency isolation teams in the league and one of the very worst teams at actually converting in isolation situations. And mind you, like, that's just about scoring efficiency and not about the kind of looks that you're able to create out of isolation. Like, if you include passes, then, especially with Pascal and the way that he's able to draw help yeah. in yeah. ISO, those numbers look better. But, like, you know, fourth in isolation frequency, 28th in ISO scoring efficiency. Like, eighth in pull-up jump shots per game, dead last in effective field goal percentage on pull-up jumpers. It's like they're not, they're not getting to any kind of like good offensive process. And I think you're seeing the limitations of a team that just doesn't have a whole lot of shot creation, a whole lot of pull-up jump shooting equity. And it just makes it a lot more difficult. Like the ways that they're able to create good looks, it's just a whole lot more arduous than a team like Boston that can come in and just be like, I mean, not that their offensive process has been bad by any means, but, like, they got guys who can just come in and, like, run a pick and roll and either walk into a pull-up three or get two on the ball and open something up elsewhere. I think about like, even watching that game, I mean, it really hit me how much, even somebody like Marcus Smart, who has never been lauded for his offense, like, how much a guy like that would help mm -hmm. the yeah, Raptors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in terms of 
his ability to create off of the bounce. Like, there's just not enough of that on this team right now, and it, and it, it spotlights, you know, the struggles that somebody like Fred can have, which everybody goes through struggles, you know, at various points in any season. And again, I think his shooting is going to rebound, but even when it does, like, there are still those same limitations with Fred that there have always been when it comes to his ability to score inside the arc. You know, like, I think we saw a little bit of progression in terms of his, like, in-between scoring last year, where yeah. he was he was hitting from long mid-range. He had, like, you know, some signs of a floater game coming along, and that's kind of fallen by the wayside. That's almost been more disappointing to me than the three-point shooting, because I feel like that was such an important element for him to be able to add yeah. when going up against drop coverage. Um, but I also think, like, he's being asked to do so much, and that's without even getting into, like, the situation with his backups that barely ever play. Right. And the minutes load and the ball handling load and all the things that led to him wearing down last year, and maybe we're just seeing that issue get compounded now again. Yeah, I mean, the, the backup issue is definitely an issue. Like, yeah, it's nasty. And, Nick uh, didn't even play any of them listen, against the Celtics, which I don't, I don't I'm, think he should have. Exactly. Way, I'm done with people making excuses for Malachi for, like, Malachi Flynn does not look like an NBA rotation player. I'm sorry. He doesn't, he's not, he doesn't seem quick enough to beat anybody off the dribble. Like he can't beat anybody off the dribble. Doesn't seem that strong. He's supposed to be able to shoot, but his shot has been pretty inconsistent. Like for a long time, I think there was a lot of people making the excuse where he's not getting the opportunity to develop or like the minutes aren't consistent enough. But at a certain point, you got to win those minutes, man. And like this season, there's been opportunity to win those minutes and he hasn't done that. So, like, I don't really know what people want Nick to do in that regard because I see people complain about Fred's minutes all the time. And it's like, are you not watching the same team and the same games that I'm watching or that we're watching? They need Fred Van Vliet out there. Even a diminished Fred Van Vliet, they desperately need him out there because there is no one else in that guard rotation that can do what he does or that comes close to playing winning basketball when he's not on the court. So yeah, what's well, the other option? I think the other option is just to take a bit of a longer view. And think, you know, maybe in a single game situation, you have to be prepared to potentially lose a winnable game for some longer term gain. Whether that means just getting, I actually think Malachi has been okay in the minutes that he's been able to play this season. But I think it's got to be really hard for him to build up any kind of confidence or rhythm Mm -hmm. when he'll go from having, you know, a pretty strong game getting, you know, 20, 25 minutes to getting DNP three games in a row, you know, and I think giving him a little bit longer leash and and being willing to potentially swallow some short-term pain, especially because I don't think, like, I know the Raptors have ambitions and they want to show progression and get better, but I don't think, as they're currently constructed, they have realistic ambitions of, like, contending for a championship, right? So I think, like, they, they should be willing to see what they have, see what they can get from Malachi if they give him a little bit more rope. Like, same with Delano, right? Like, and I think th- there's... A, a scenario in which that actually allows you to get more out of Fred in the hopefully scaled down minutes that he's on the floor. Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of speaks to the idea that like, what is the direction this season, right? Are they, are they trying to push forward and be more competitive than they were last season? When you look at the additions, most recent signings are all veterans, you know, like fads. Well, I mean, that wasn't a signing. It was a, it was a trade, but it was kind of like a delayed sign and trade. Let's just say, um, you know, auto, is a veteran coming off of a championship. Wancho's been in the league a long, a long time. It wasn't like people were expecting Wancho to come in here and, and grow a ton in his game. We kind of knew what he was about. And, you know, again, when you think about the franchise, they're really always talking about winning, but they're also talking about development. Now, I think you could kind of do both at the same time, but 
sometimes you get into that Celtics game, you're like, well, we just want to win. Like, we really, you just had a team meeting, right? We want to give them our best shot. Our best shot includes putting our best players on the floor, which means none of the young guys play. But yeah, to your point, like, none of the young guys really have played. And, and that's the thing for me that's been disappointing to this, the first, like, you know, a uh, quarter of the season. It's just like, I wanted to see more growth from guys. And, and it, I needed to see key growth from, from Scotty, from Precious, to a lesser degree, Delano. I thought Delano had a really nice summer. Um, summer league was strong, went to represent Canada. Um, you know, he was good in preseason. He was the Raptors, like, best bench player in preseason. And it was like, okay, I understand that these are all, like, just less competitive games than the NBA, of course. But some kind of progression on that front. We haven't seen it from him. Malachi... You know, I just don't even think he fits the Raptors roster, right? Like, you have Masai talking all the time about this league is getting bigger, this league is getting stronger. I'm looking for big players, and and then Fred has a six nine heart. He does, he, when you have you heard him say Malachi has a six nine heart or a six nine jump? I haven't shot? heard him make the joke about getting Malachi some stilts, like he made. You know, he he made right. that joke. Actually, uh, we're we're gonna get to that clip a little later on too. But it's just like, you know, the young guys on the team haven't really progressed, and then of course they had a Christian, and they're and they're playing him quite a bit too. But to me, they're playing him a lot because they just really need that center to fill out the roster to continue to be competitive right now. And so sometimes I, I look at the roster, and I'm I'm a little confused between the way Nick sort of wants to play it and the way the front office has sort of built it. I think Masai probably just doesn't ever bring up Malachi because it's a reminder of his greatest draft failure. You know, more like, than Bruno. <laughs> yeah, dude, with Desmond Bain going like one pick later. Oh. Yeah, I know. Well, anyway, um, you know, you know, the issue with Desmond Bain is that his arms are six six. That that was that was like a large part of the issue. Somehow. But this is that that's a perfect illustration of if you're if you are too narrow minded, it's fine to have a vision and you like a, a particular team identity that you want to construct. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you can be like so doctrinaire about it and so committed to that vision that you're closing yourself off to other possibilities and other avenues that could be really beneficial for your team i'm not saying that's like the sole reason they didn't draft desmond bain you know and that they were being so myopic about it you know they might have just really liked malachi i'm just saying like if that is the reason that you're closing off those possibilities or that's the reason you're justifying it and being like well desmond bain didn't fit the vision because of his t-rex arms then (laughs) it's just bad process like that's not the way that you should go about building your team and i'm i'm really glad you brought up the 2019-20 team where they had, like, that to me, that's the most versatile Raptors defense that I've ever watched. Yep. Okay? And that team started Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, and Marc Gasol. Yeah. Two minuscule guards and a big lumbering center. Right. That was no vision 6'9 that, 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 with that roster. So it's like, I think the way that people conceptualize it sometimes is like if you have a lot of interchangeable defenders, a lot of switchable defenders, and that's how you build a versatile defense. And that's just not always true. You know, like having a bunch of versatile individual defenders doesn't always amount to a versatile defensive scheme in a team context. And there are a lot of like a lot of different ways to go about doing that as the Raptors have proven in the past. And I think it's actually clear that the front office recognizes that to some extent, right? Because if they didn't, we wouldn't be hearing them pop up in rumors involving, you know, like Miles Turner and Jakob Pertl. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and even Malcolm Brogdon, right? I think they recognize the need to address the limitations on the roster, whether that be, you know, dribble drive, rim pressure, and, and off-the-bounce creation, or traditional rim protection. Like, I think they recognize that they have to address those areas. But um, I just think generally, like, the idea of Vision 9 is nice in theory, but, and I'm not saying that it can't work. Like, just because it hasn't worked doesn't mean it can't. 
um, and and like by the same token, um, just because it can work doesn't mean that it will. Mm-hmm. So I think you just always have to be adaptable and looking for like any potential avenue that's going to help your team, no matter what what size or shape it comes in. Man, think it back on it. Brogdon would have been so perfect. I've said that, man. Like yeah, I Brogdon was, I was really like nice. hearing that. I was disconsolate, man, because he would have been an absolutely perfect addition for this team. He gives them, he would have given them everything that they really need. And I mean, like Nick, and the fact it was the Celtics of all teams too. You know, but he it. was right, though. He was like, "Yeah, I'm trying to go to a like the best contending situation," sure. and clearly Boston's ahead. Had higher ambitions, man. His his well, rim I mean, pressure. At least with him, I understand his combination of like rim pressure shooting. And that kind of like floor general veteran know-how that could have helped Fred would have just been like chef's kiss. They could have played together team. in the backcourt because yeah. I thought the Raptors have always looked really good in, in recent years of just like having two guys who can yeah. play a point guard style yeah. of play. You divide the court on both sides. There's a lot of like continuity of that, obviously with Fred and Kyle, with uh, Kyle and DeMar over the years. And it just hasn't, you haven't been able to see that. I guess right now it's technically Pascal and Fred. Yeah. But it's it's not nearly the same. It's totally different. Like Pascal was trying to set up in the post. He's not trying to like break down the defense off a screen or something like that. I think that that, that does kind of, you know, raise questions. Because like, obviously, I, I'm not saying we should be out on the Division 6-9 thing. I think I, this is the way the NBA is going. And it's not just about their heights. It's about their wingspans as well, right? Um, but to me, it's like, now that we've seen this experiment for, for a year and a half now, like what are some of the, the lessons here in terms of just like how do you complement that kind of, you know, specific roster build? And I think that what you keep coming back to is just you need consistent three-point shooting, right? Because usually the 6'9 players are not the ones that are consistently delivering three-point shooting for you, especially not on the Raptors. And then you need a center who will eventually ultimately still plug up gaps at the rim because otherwise you are rotating a lot, which is not even the idea of the 6-9 thing. The 6-9 thing is what, the way we conceptualize it is like you switch everything, you keep everyone in front, the way the Celtics play it, the way the, the, the Clippers play it. And if Nick's philosophy is I want to double and still bring pressure, that's okay too. But if you want to double and bring pressure, you probably need a seven-footer at the rim to at least make up that gap of mistakes. So, I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you best complement that vision yeah because i feel like the like the fully actualized version fully realized version of vision 6-9 is that you don't have to send all that help because you have these versatile switchable right. defenders. Yeah, yeah. but in terms of to answer your question i i agree with you that they need shooting and rim protection now look christian coloco is a young second round rookie yeah i i, I, I think, think he has shown, a, he he's shown some like special stuff on the defensive end but he's also very young and you, if they're trying to win this year, mm-hmm. you can't expect him to be that consistent rim protector. You know, he's still prone to fouls and stuff like that. But th- that's what they need. They need shooting and rim protection if they're actually going to make this Vision 6-9 thing work. And then even with that, like, it, it wouldn't be – it's not like you'd have five 6-9 guys on the court because you would have a Fred. You'd have a rim protector that's probably seven feet. But that's what they need to complement this. And again, I will say if if – Fred and Gary are shooting the way they're capable of shooting. Uh, you know, finding more shooting aspect of it is a little less uh, of a priority, I guess, but they need some combination of shooting and rim protection. Mm-hmm. I mean, the easy answer is if Miles Turner, you know, is available for nothing, which he obviously is not, I think the Pacers should actually be trying to keep him long term because yeah. he's still young. But talk about checking both boxes <laughs> in terms of shooting and rim protection, it's Miles Turner. Yeah, not a whole lot of guys around the league no. who actually do that. Um, but I, also think, and we mentioned this the last time we were on talking about missing out on Donovan Mitchell, is 
addressing the half-court offense could allow you to change the way that you play defense. Because as it is right now, Raptors are dead last in half-court scoring. That's on yeah. first-shot possessions. doesn't account for offensive rebounds, but that speaks to how poor they've been when they're going up against set defenses. And that speaks to the requirement of playing in the open floor as much as possible. And the best way to do that is just to force live ball turnovers. So uh, that that's part of it. I think if their half-court offense was humming, then mm-hmm. maybe they would feel a little bit more comfortable dialing back the pressure and playing things a little bit more straight up. But I do think that, you know, that requires a lot of different things. And, and yeah, one of them would be Fred shooting the ball better and Gary shooting the ball better. Um, but I, I do think there's a little bit more to it than that. And, I th- you, you know, it's like, who's, who's breaking a defense down off the bounce? Like, I remember Nick talking before the season started about how he really wanted the Raptors to amp up their rim pressure. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, that's a really nice idea, but A, you got to be able to space the floor in, in order to, like, open up those driving yeah, lanes and get course. people to the rim. And then B, like, you need to have people who are actually good drivers and finishers. And I think coming into the year, I was like, they have one of those guys yeah, in Pascal. Pascal. That's it. And yeah. this year, I think you could maybe add OG to that conversation. But he's he's emerging. But, I mean, I guess. like one and a half, I'd say. So they have yeah. one and a when, half. When he's of, not called for travel, then yes. Yeah, they have one and a half effective drivers and finishers. And, like, even if they had more of them, it would still be a challenge because they have to navigate thickets of help defenders because – they can't effectively space the floor. And they've shown that they can find some workarounds to that, one of which is just crashing the hell out of the offensive glass. And they're very fortunate in that they have the the athleticism, the size, you know, to be able to do that. Well, that's, that's and, a feature not, of how they built the roster. That's a feature. It is, for yeah. sure. And, like, that is part of – it's it's fairly cutting edge. Like, you around the league right now, offensive rebounding rates are up. Yep, yep. And I'm not saying the Raptors are solely responsible for that, but they were ahead of the curve mm-hmm. on being like, this is a bit of a, a tactical inefficiency that we're going to exploit. And now you're seeing a lot of other teams following suit. It, it's an effective way to, je- like, you know, not only you're getting extra possessions, right? But like possessions that come after offensive rebounds are some of the most efficient offensive possessions you can get. So there's a big benefit to that. But I also think, you know, if you want to look at the Raptors as being an innovative team, which I think they are, you got to acknowledge, like, there's a big difference between innovating because you can or because you want to and innovating because you don't really have any other choice. You know what I mean? Like, they, like, Picasso still had to learn how to how to draw or paint oh. in, in the traditional realist style before he went off and, like, <laughs> became a pioneer in, in the abstract. So, like, Damn. you got to, you got to cover off those bases first, I feel like, yep. before, before you launch into, you know, being that that revolutionary innovative team and I feel like right now it's it's like solely out of necessity that the Raptors are doing this stuff yeah well and this is why I think that like when you look at the trade deadline here like I'm not looking at the trade deadline as like specifically what to add to the roster so that they can make some sort of like huge playoff push although obviously that that would be one of the main drivers of why you would make any trade especially for a winning team but to me I'm I'm also thinking about the trade deadline as an opportunity to add talent long term right like that's why you know, when the one it was a trade deadline at Tampa and they ultimately moved Norm Powell and they got Gary Trent, that was like that wasn't about making that team better in Tampa. That was about making sure you had a shooting guard for the next like two years. And, you know, now I'm looking at it. And I'm like, yeah, we might have to have another, you know, uh, addition at guard just because of the fact that I was just thinking about it yesterday. And it's, you know, w- with Gary 
being demoted to the bench and with the fact that, like, you know, when they talk about the Vision 6 9 stuff, they don't really ever talk about Gary. They talk about Fred and, like, a, hey, well, you know, he's okay. But all the other guys, we want them to be 6 9 and all that stuff. Like, um, I- I'm worried about sort of the future of the guard position in Toronto. And I understand that, like, they try- they're trying to move away from it specifically, but we also see the importance of it, right? I, d- I really don't believe that you can have that efficient of an offense in the NBA without some quality guards. Like, I, I just, I just, I- it's one of the things, that's just how basketball is played. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, so who who are some, some players that you would look at or even just like the idea or the, out, or the outlook of a player that you would look for to, to maybe fit this roster? Because I, I think, yeah, the Raptors need, really need to look at what they have in the backcourt. It, it's it's very, very thin, even though they have a lot of bodies on that team. If Well, yeah, I mean, I would say like they, they need a, a better fifth starter, right? Like it can't be Christian Coloco. And I, the idea of moving Gary to the bench is really nice. But if they don't have a better player to replace them with in the yeah. starting five, then it's going to be an issue. So whether that fifth starter is a big man, you know, like a Jakob Pertle type, okay. or or another guard, mm. you know, one way or another, I feel like they need they need an upgrade on that fifth starter spot. So if you're asking about guards, if the Jazz do decide that they want to start selling off pieces and go into the tank, I would be all over Jordan Clarkson. Like, okay. that's the kind of guy, I know he's like a bit of a gunner, but I actually think he's played a lot more selflessly this year, improved as a playmaker, just super creative with the ball in his hands and a really good shooter. Okay. So that's the type of guy, like Emmanuel Quickly is apparently, you know, that's like a lower level. He's kind of like a poor man's Jordan Clarkson, but he's apparently available. And, and Quickly is more of like a future-minded Exactly. I'd, I'd be all over that too. And especially because like the Raptors want to play with pace and he would fit that perfectly. Sure, yeah. Very so yeah. it's guys like that. And like, you know, they, th- that might seem like an incremental upgrade, but I think it could have big downstream effects and really help the team a lot. Yeah, when you said Utah, I was a little afraid because uh, THT, who the Raptors keep getting linked with, no. for, for what specific reason, I don't understand. No. I'm fine, thanks. That's he just another he... redundancy, you know? That, on the quickly front, it, just how hilarious would it be if the Knicks have to watch Emmanuel quickly go to Toronto and blossom? That would be, like, Knicks fans, as if they haven't been tortured enough. Um, Buddy Heald is a guy that's been on the trade block in India. Now, Buddy Heald doesn't really address any of your, like, creation concerns. But in, in terms of a guy that you can plug in and can shoot, and I think he's under contract for one more year after this one, mm. I think there's definitely some utility there that can help this team. But again, I don't he know. He just seems so, like, different from the way the Raptors want to play. But again, like yeah. that, maybe that's the point. But that's what I'm saying. If you're looking for a guy... I also see it as like beggars can't be choosers, right? It depends on what they're trying to address. Like if they're trying to win in the next year, year and a half, and I'm not even talking about championship. I just mean like if they're still trying to be a very competitive team that can maybe make some noise in the playoffs. Like I think beggars can't be choosers and they're going to have to, they can't exactly uh, thumb their nose at some of these guys. So would Buddy Heald be my first choice? Absolutely not. Do Mm -hmm. I think he addresses all of the concerns offensively? Absolutely not. But again, depending on what the price is, if you can plug a guy like that who is like an elite shooter, this isn't just a good shooter. That's an absolutely elite shooter that you can plug in that can definitely juice the offense. Yeah, yeah. And create space for other guys simply just by standing on the court. Right. Um, those are the kind of guys that maybe don't, they don't seem like the sexiest names, but they could actually really help this team. And I think the Raptors have to be open-minded to players like that. Yeah, depending on the price. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Of course, and, and that's the thing too. Is just like I, I'm even even for the Raptors, I just want some decent guards in the the pipeline, right? Like I think 
you know, we're seeing Fred and hopefully he can bounce back to where he was before. That would help this problem tremendously. But if he's starting to break down, like you got to think about the succession plan, right? Like, you know, around this age for Kyle Lowry, they were able to bring in a guy like Fred. They had even at the lawn, right? We don't even have a the lawn, right? Style prospect in the pipeline for four at the guard position right now. Banton's like a bigger DeLon, right? DeLon was nice, man. I, I don't know. DeLon, I think DeLon just had like a, a more polish and, and finesse to his game. I mean, he came in way older as a, as a prospect. I think he was like 24, maybe 23 as a, you know, he just had a different path to the league as Delano has. But uh, but anyway, look, we've run out of time, unfortunately. This is a, it's a great combo. We're just going to have to keep having you guys back. So um, more uh, Make or Miss Wednesdays to come. But uh, for now, I'm going to take a break. I'm your host, Will Lou. You're listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers sportsbook award-winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Liu. Uh, big thank you to both Joseph Gasharo and Joe Wolfon of The Score for coming in and, uh, you know, talking Raptors. It's just a great discussion each time. Um, so we're going to have them on quite often. But, uh, you know, for the second half, we are joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. Alex, you were in the back with uh, producer Derek Brandale. Big congrats to him and uh, the whole Portuguese community. Um, you know, a lot of, conju- a lot of just... Just a lot of trucks going in circles at, on St. Clair. If you know, you really know. A lot of flags, a lot of honking, uh, and just good vibes all around because uh, that was a very impressive win by by the Portuguese. So, so congrats to Derek. But uh, Alex, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm, I'm good, man. And you also saw me uh, circling around DuPont yesterday. I did. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What were you What were you doing there? I was just sitting outside of uh, Mattachioni's, a nice little uh, sandwich spot, uh have some groceries there as well. Yeah. That's, that's a nice spot. But uh, then I was just, because again, you're never in that neighborhood. So I'm just like looking across the street and I see you in that like unmistakable Atlanta 1996 Olympic bag that you love wearing. Oh, right. And um, I was going to yell out at you, but you had your headphones in. Yeah, I was probably bumping some Jay-Z, you know, because that's the <laughs> GOAT. Uh, happy belated to Jay, by the way, as everybody knows, December 4th is his birthday. Sean Carter was mm. born December 4th. Yeah. Weighing in at 10 pounds, knew, 8 he ounces. How, he knew how to ride a bike when he was 8. A funny um, story with him is... No, yeah. actually, why do I know? Why do I know? Shouts to the GOAT. Mom. No, I was going, yeah. I was going to uh, a later art and style, one of my favorite stores in the city. Mm. And it's a bit... I guess it's a bit outside of the downtown core, so I had to get out of my element. Wow, you, you were in the there. junction. Good for you. Yeah, man. I didn't know where I was because I, I mapped uh, the directions there. And yeah. for some reason, I was biking down this path, and then I was at the Up Express Bloor Station. Oh, the rail path. Yes. Wow. And I reached okay. a dead end, uh, so that was a little bit concerning. Um, oh, no, no, then, no, that's just construction. You got to, like, go through the platform. Oh, okay. But then I saw the street name DuPont and figured that was familiar grounds. Wow. So If you stopped I, by, I, I would have given you better directions. Yeah, I just went there. 
there. So okay, yeah, it was nice. It was nice uh, for you to spot me in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you you, cool. you got spotted some some stuff as well. Look 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 at oh the new yeah, shouts yeah. shouts a listener of the show uh, Juan Manuel. He sent us a very cool package. Um, he works for this uh, skateboarding company. I believe it might be his actually, Morning Bell. So. You know, blessed us. I know you're wearing the tea yeah, today, yeah. so we're super appreciative. Shouts, shouts to all the listeners. Yeah. Let's see, two was more this minutes. Is this a sponsorship? I don't know. It wasn't. Uh, a no, I, I no, no. This one. is not a sponsorship. Unintentional. Uh, please, but thank nobody, you. nobody at Sportsnet bother me. Um, and uh, we also played pickup yesterday, and I just want listeners to know that <laughs> oh, Will really? hit a career high four three pointers. Five, five, five yesterday. He was playing soccer beforehand, so it was two sport uh, evening. Two no shutout. For, bro. We already talked about first segment for though. the Bo Jackson of um the raptor show and you know at one point actually in the game he was so will was so tired he just like did not run back on defense and allowed <laughs> no, the other team to get a layup and Why i was playing full court and man? i was sitting on the bench and i started yelling at him i'm like bro like you know we set standards here like uh-huh, i was basically uh-huh. fred in the players only meeting but then what happened and then will went back the other way and hit a three not just any three and stared me down and said players only meeting that and then did the Carmelo Anthony three to the dome celebration. So, yeah. you know, the conclusion is you would be Nick Nurse's least favorite player. Oh, absolutely. I played, I played no defense. you're an actual basketball player. Every time, because I'm tall and I'm yeah. big. So I was like, I would go on the post. Yeah. But there was a guy who once was like, just once again, tall Chairman Lou. <laughs> oh, wow. God damn. Derek Brandeo um, stepping up. No, yeah. but seriously, I, I, I could not score in the post whatsoever. I got blocked a few times and mm. I just decided... I'm just going to stay at the three-point line. I know I can Bull. at least keep up some threes. And, yeah, it was a Hito Tarkaloo-esque performance. But, yeah. No, Bull. no high I, five threes, though. That's not bad. No, I see some, you know, the low post game is is, is just the eye test is nasty on that. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're I don't know what man. you're doing in the low post. Uh, like, please watch nothing. some tape of Kareem in the 80s. Kareem, man. I might have to so, watch tape of Christian Coloco. I'm not even at that level. Yeah, but you're you're my development project. And okay. I'm, I'm going right. to develop better players than the Raptors. You know, that's my goal. Wow. That's my goal. Um, so you're going to be Rico Hines. Yeah. So anyways, now it's time for Between the Chinese Lines. Chinese Nick Nurse. <laughs> now it's time for Between the Lines. This is what happens when Portugal's not playing during Brought to show. you <laughs> by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The Toronto Raptors are hosting the Los Angeles Lakers tonight. Anthony Davis and LeBron James are both out. So hopefully if you're selling your tickets to the game, you've sold them already. Um, the line for tonight's game Raptors, because of the injuries, are 11 and a half point favorites. On paper, this makes sense, right? I mean, Against a shorthanded team, shorthanded yeah. Lakers team, second this half of a back to back without their two stars. Are you feeling good about giving up the 11 and a half points tonight, Will? Yeah, I mean, realistically, the Raptors are playing better, right? Like, um, they played a much more competitive game against the Celtics, even though they lost. Obviously, they handled business against Orlando. And when you look at this Laker team, like, it's not like they don't have other players who can go off, right? You know, like, I mean, let's just look at what Westbrook did last time we were in Toronto, right? That that humbled me a lot. I hope uh, has done the same for other people yeah, as well. Yeah, you, you humbled that wall in the radio booth, No, that too. didn't happen, man. That wall got humbled. No, 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 no. It was John Wall. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, wow, damn. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, uh, they, they're probably not going to be that good um, without their top two you players. would expect this to be like, a toronto orlando type matchup from like saturday yeah this is what i, I guess expect. that's what i'm trying to say too this is what i would expect yeah for the raptors to take care of business i'm a little bit disappointed because i did want to see the raptors play sure, a full strength sure. lakers team who have been playing well since a really slow start right to the I, season i was curious how they're going to handle ad because they've yes. actually played ad really well over the years however you know um 
Yeah, I mean, he's just been on a tear. Yeah, and, and LeBron's one of uh, seven players that, you know, every Chinese basketball fan knows. In, in, you know, oh, I'm so sure there'll be tons of There's going to be a lot of, of disappointment jerseys. that LeBron's not going to be there. Right, you know, right, right. Hopefully he'll still be there, you know, having margaritas with Drake after the game. But, no, I'm disappointed because, like, I want the margaritas Raptors. Margaritas by the leaders. I want the Raptors. Yeah, I heard that. I, I want the Raptors to just have more tests. Like, I want to yeah. see them. Same thing as they did against the Celtics, right? Let's see what this team is about. And now they're going to play the shorthanded Lakers team and then have two games in Orlando. Yeah. So not going to really get a chance to to kind of have another, like, you know, measuring stick game for a little bit. Yeah, but I'm not going to lie to you, though. Like, I, I don't think I mind it. Like, okay, I think you just want to stack up the wins. I, I wouldn't mind if they stacked up the wins a little okay. bit, you know, like, you know, give Fred a little bit of an opportunity to find his rhythm, continue to mm. see Scotty get back into form, right? Scotty's had some pretty great games against the Lakers, right? Hopefully we see more of that tonight and, yeah, I mean, the Raptors just play to what their strengths are. I, I think they should take this game. So even though the line is pretty high, I think I still go with the Raptors on this front. Okay. Um, but Raptors. I'd, be, I'd be kind of disappointed if the Raptors okay. didn't. I'm not going to lie to you. All right, Raptors minus 11.5 is the pick. That was between the lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Even though AD and LeBron are not going to be there tonight, mm-hmm. we have a 6 p.m. appointment to check out the Chung Chung hot dog spot. Yeah, in the God, arena. Honestly, <laughs> this is my Super Bowl. The difference in ball talk between Cash and Wolfon, <laughs> and then you coming in here for 10 minutes is different, man. Yeah, yeah you're right. Lo- we, we have an appointment lo- to eat hot dogs before the game. I was looking at you from behind the the the, the screen behind the scenes during the first half, uh-huh. and I was like, man, Will's really got to be a chameleon on this show, man. Oh, he, yeah. he got to get in his Hooper bag, no, and man. then he got to get into his banter bag too, man. No, I got to anyway. be a chameleon there to be riding with you on this show. Ooh. So tomorrow, you know, I'll be here. We're going to recap the Lakers Raptors <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, We're going to recap wait, the Chung Chung hot dogs and then wow. Faisal Kamisa because there's no World Cup <laughs> games tomorrow. Oh, He's going to come join us for a make or miss segment. And that's it. Yeah, you heard see of the Chung King Express. You're about to see the Chung Chung Express mm. tomorrow on this show. But Yo, anyway, that does it for us today. Truth. I'm your host, Wolu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Raptors on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review the show. Thanks again to my producer and co-host, Alex Wong. Thanks to Cash and Wolfon. Thanks to our board producer, Derek Brandale, and Frank Baraska for helping us with the YouTube stream. We'll talk to you tomorrow.